This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Rain Man. Word of the day for Wednesday, November 18th, 2020 is Rain Man. As in the Academy Award winning movie starring Dustin Hoffman. Tom Cruise. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely see it. I think it's in my top 100. The reason why Rain Man is the word of the day is there's a scene from Rain Man that very much reminded me of what happened yesterday with Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein, in a surprise to no one who was paying attention, has left the Chicago Cubs. We did a bonus episode on it yesterday, and it was released, so you can download and subscribe right now. And then hit subscribe and then tell your friends about nothing personal, about how much you're enjoying this, if you are, about how much you're not, if you're not, but you keep tuning in. So Theo, no need to rehash it all, but the big takeaway is worth rehashing. So we're just going to rehash a teeny tiny bit. He met the media and said that he had planned on taking a year off. And my view is that he's not going to take a year off. He is going to work for the Mets. Even if he doesn't become the president of baseball operations or the president in general, whatever the case is, I believe that he will end up with the Mets with a little piece of the team because that is his next play. He's got very high aspirations, Theo does, all the way up to and including the commissioner, if you ask me. He thinks he can be the commissioner. That would be a natural progression. Not really. But in any case, so I was reminded of a scene in Rain Man, and here's the scene. So Barry Levinson is the director of Rain Man, and Barry Levinson played a doctor who was evaluating Dustin Hoffman and whether or not Dustin Hoffman should have cut, should get in the, should be in the custody of his brother, played by Tom Cruise. So Tom Cruise brings Dustin Hoffman to the doctor's office, and the question is, is he going to stay with his brother? Or is he going to go back to the home where he lived because he, that's where he stayed? And I think it was called Walbrook. And so Barry Levinson, playing the doctor, said to Dustin Hoffman, and it's Raymond, Raymond, do you want to stay with your brother? Yes. Do you want to go back to Walbrook? Yes. Raymond, do you want to stay with your brother? Yes. Do you want to go back to Walbrook? Yes. Theo, do you want to run the Mets? Yes. Do you want to take a year off? Yes. Theo, are you going to take a year off? Yes. Theo, are you going to be an owner of the Mets? Yes. Theo, are you going to interview for any opening that gives you a possible ownership piece? Yes. Theo, do you want to take a year off and play in the sandbox with your kids? Yes. 
Raymond, do you want to go live with your brother? Yes. So it goes on and on like this, back and forth and back and forth. And this is not to make fun of autistic people at all. It is very confusing when you are on that side of the spectrum of autism. You don't really know what you want and everything sounds good. Do you want to stay with your brother? Yes, because he really loves Tom Cruise and wants to. Do you want to go back to Wahlberg? Yes, because he loves Wahlberg and he can't quite tell the difference, which is pointed out by Barry Levinson. So sitting with Theo, and this is Theo with his family. This is Theo with his agent. This is Theo with his rock star friends going through all the possibilities. There's only one thing that I guarantee you was a no, and it was this. Theo, do you want to give up $10 million and quit the Cubs without any possible plan going forward? No. Never going to happen. You don't walk away from 10 large. You just don't do it. Now, what we'll learn in the media, and I will pass it on to you as soon as we know anything, because you'll know as soon as I know, and I'll know as soon as you know, because that's how things go. I don't break news here on nothing personal. You know that. We see what's trending. We talk about it, and we'll give you a unique perspective and try to tell you what's really happening. What's really happening is that there's no chance that Theo gives up the Cubs until he has a very, 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 very secure understanding of what's happening in his future. It's not really tampering, but it is. The Ricketts family who owns the Cubs is happy to take his salary off the books. They're happy to replace him with Jed Hoyer. Everything is above board. Everything is kosher. But there is zero chance that Theo is going back to Walbrook. Rain Man, word of the day. I was going to make the word of the day this. Pop goes the weasel. Have you ever played with those jack-in-the-boxes? I don't mean the restaurant. I mean the little jack-in-the-boxes when you were a kid. They have these these cranks that you turn and you... If you're not watching this and you're listening, I'm pretending to crank a box and you have to hold the box with your left hand, crank with your right hand if you're not ambidextrous, which I'm not, or a lefty, which I'm not. And then it clicks and up comes like some scary clown or a weasel. I never actually had a weasel in my pop. In any case, pop was going to be the word of the day because I've been on... Cody Bellinger and I've been on him hard. And the reason I've been on him is that during the World Series, he hit a home run and he celebrated with Kike Hernandez, a guy we had on the Marlins for a while who we traded to the Dodgers. You're welcome, Andrew Friedman and Dodger fans everywhere. And Cody Bellinger hit Kike Hernandez so hard that his shoulder got displaced. He went back on the field. We found out later that Someone on the bench had popped his shoulder back in. But I know from being on the bench and being in the clubhouse, when a shoulder pops out and it's popped back in, you are not okay. That is a multi-day injury where you don't play. Sometimes even a week plus, you can maybe stay off the 15-day DL at that time. You may likely be put on the 10-day IL these days when you pop the shoulder and put it back. So Bellinger gets his shoulder popped back in. The broadcasters, the owners, the commissioners, the players, the managers, and the GMs all said the following. There's nothing to see here. Everything's fine. 
And I told you on Nothing Personal, there's nothing fine about this. I can see the way he's playing defense when he had to make a catch against the wall. He didn't make the catch in a game that Tampa either ended up winning or losing. How's that? Do you like that? Tampa either won or lost the game in the World Series where Bellinger couldn't make the catch against the wall because he didn't want to hit the wall with his, with his shoulder. You could see it in his at-bats, even though I think he hit a home run, another home run, or he had another double. Whatever the case may be, I knew he was hurt. Turns out he was. He had to have surgery yesterday. Surgery on the shoulder. Now, he may be ready for spring training. He may not. He may be 100% during spring training. He may not. The fact of the matter is, as a team president, I am losing my mind. I'm not even the team president of the Dodgers, and I'm losing my mind. Players get hurt through the normal course of baseball activity. And that drives me batty. When a player gets hurt from a self-inflicted wound that's not an accident, that is all the way over on the scale of what pisses me off the most. So the scale is this. You're running to first base. You're totally stretched out. You're in good shape. And you pop a hammy. I'm not happy. You're going to miss 10 weeks. I'm despondent. But that is a play injury. The middle is when you're at home and you slice your finger off on the butcher block. Or you walk up the stairs and fall down the stairs carrying luggage. These are actual baseball injuries from people, from players. Or you get so <clears throat> angry that you hit the dugout and you break your wrist. Or you get so upset that you're running in your cleat, <clears throat> cleats in the clubhouse and you slip and you fall and you get hurt. All of these things can happen. That is middle of the road anger for me. Now let's go to the right side of the curve which is the so angry that I can't get over it ever. And that is the celebration injuries. We had a player and I'm blanking. God dang it, dog it. I think it was Chris Coglin, Coca. I think Chris Coglin got hurt in a celebration and a walk-off celebration. And I said to the team after, and I've said it ever since that happened, explain to me, why we keep trying to one-up each other on walk-off celebrations, ripping each other's shirts off. I don't care if you have a good body or a bad body. You want to rip your shirt off, fine, but don't twist your neck or strain your neck while you're getting your shirt pulled over your head. Why we have to hit each other so hard after home runs. It started with the Bash brothers in Oakland when Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire would hit home runs and they would hit each other elbow to elbow or forearm to forearm. They give each other a forearm shiver. Coke is reminding me that it was Coglin was injured delivering a pie in the face to Wes Holmes. I remember this like it was yesterday. Wes Holmes was on the post game show. Coglin runs up to him and is doing a jumping pie in the face and ends up on the injured list. D Gordon would do crazy things. And I talked to him all the time. He would do these dunking celebrations with Miguel Rojas and other players after a walk-off or after a post-game, it drove me to insanity. So McGuire and Canseco start doing it. They're doing forearm shivers to each other. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, that may hurt because these are big guys and they're going full force. So I once talked to Giancarlo Stanton about it. And Stanton does that same forearm thing. In the past, he's done that. And I asked him one time, tell me about that. Like, what's the story there? And he said, listen, 
It is a celebration where you are putting your power onto another person and they're putting their power onto you. And it is a show of power and force and success. And I said, what about a show of injury? And he said, no, you're never going to get injured that way. And I said, my famous thing that I say to him and to anybody else, never say never. Never say never. I texted Stanton, not a flex, texted Stanton after the Bellinger injury and saying, can you imagine how far this has gone? Have you had enough yet? Question mark. And the response was like a laugh emoji. So Bellinger is having surgery. The Dodgers are despondent. And I'm really pretty much at the end of my rope. I'm not going to lie to you. I want these celebrations. They're good for the fans, I guess. But is it really worth it? Is it? Okay. We're moving on to a part of the show where Coca is going to leave the room. This is a topic that he didn't want to cover. This is a question from one of you, a listener. And Coca is so bored by it. And I'm so interested by it that I told him this would be a good time to go take in the groceries from the driveway. But before you do, Coca, introduce the damn segment, would you? You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. And there goes Coca. So you want to talk to Samson. I better not have any questions during this segment because Coca's on strike. So you want to talk to Samson when you get into Twitter at David P. Samson, ask a question, any question. I may answer, I may not. So you want to talk to Samson. It's from the movie Half-Baked. If you are a Nothing Personal loyal listener, please, sorry, I keep mentioning this. If you're new to Nothing Personal, and by the numbers we were just given, there's a lot of new people, so thank you. Keep telling your friends about it. Go watch Half-Baked, and if you can, be seven-eighths baked when you do. There's a character named Samson. People want to talk to him, and so we've got a segment here on Nothing Personal where people ask a question in my public DMs on Twitter or Instagram, which I still don't know how to check. Great show. I'm learning a lot. I put that in. I mean, that was actually in the question, but it's not part of the question, but I wanted to just say it because it feels good when people think you do a good show. I admit it. What are your thoughts on Mac Williams suing the San Francisco Giants for having bullpen mounds on the field? Give me some music, Coca, something. Wah, wah, wah. See, Coca's not there. If he were, he'd be playing a sound for you right now on his very fancy CBS bought soundboard but he's not even listening to the show. Guys, I'm talking to the listeners now. We can do anything. What do you guys want to do? Because without Coca to yell at me or to tell me that it's not interesting or fun or that I'm going too far, what do you, I mean, we could say any forward we want. Do you want to do it? Do you want to just, anyway, all right. So Mac Williams, getting back to it. Mac Williams was a player for the San Francisco Giants. He was a third round pick, I think. He really didn't have much of a career. He was called up to play, and back in 2014, he got off to a decent start, I would say, at best. And uh, he went for a foul ball, and he tripped over the bullpen mounds, which are down the line at Pac Bell, which is no longer called Pac Bell. It's now called, it was called AT&T, then Pac Bell. Now I think it's called Oracle, but we don't know that because Coke is on strike. So... Williamson was going down the line and he tripped over the mound, went head first off the the bullpen mound, went head first into the padding uh, in front of the first row of the stands, got a concussion, 
never played again. Career was over. So on Tuesday, he announced that he's suing Oracle Park, the owner and operator of Oracle Park, which is an entity owned, owned by the San Francisco Giants. We always name, by the way, do you want to know a little funny secret? Do you know who runs Marlins Park? It's a company called Marlins, Marlins Stadium Operator. Marlins Stadium Operator does not own the Marlins. That's owned by a separate entity. This is how it was when Jeffrey owned everything. You own things in different entities. That's why it's always fascinating when you see a flowchart, when a transaction's done, that may be for a future segment. But the transaction, I'll show you a transaction. I've got some books behind me of different transactions I've done in baseball. And in it are the flowcharts of all the different entities and who owns what. So the stadium operator just owns certain assets in the stadium. So when you sue the stadium operator, if you win, you may get the hot dog maker. Hell yeah. Maybe. I mean, it'd have to be an amazing suit. You'd have to win a ton of money and get a huge judgment. But there's a chance, not a big one, that you could actually get the beer lines with the syrup and the roaches. But that would require a lawsuit way better than Mac Williamson's. So Mac Williamson sues. And here's the quote in the lawsuit. My life hasn't been the same since suffering the injury. The concussion ended my career and left me with lifelong injuries that have also taken a toll, a significant toll on my personal life. Do you know that you can sue people when you can't do it anymore? Because you have a headache when you can't have marital relations with your wife or husband or a partner? You can actually sue that for that. I was speaking to a couple of friends of mine who were looking into that. They were trying to not have sex with their spouses and get paid for it. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? He said, I'm fortunate to have an understanding fiance who's been there every step of the way and helps me get through the days. I suffer nausea, trouble sleeping, mood swings, and other issues. I wake up every day hoping that today is a better day and that I will get closer to how I felt before the injury. I'm not being cynical here, ladies and gents, and however you identify yourself. I'm merely saying that what the statement says and what the lawyer says in the complaint touches on the different legal standards required to collect money from an entity. It's literally written from the torts book on what you need to suffer in order to attempt to collect money. But of course, this will never go to trial, ever. If I'm running the Giants, it's very simple. I'm going to give Mac Williamson a bit of a stupple maybe 50 to 75 grand because my legal fees to deal with this frivolous horse hockey is going to be more than that. Here's the rule. If you have to spend more money on lawyers than you're risking by losing, then you don't pay the lawyers and you pay what I called a nuisance tax, which uh, let me rewind a little bit. We get sued so often and there are people who catch on because they know that if they sue because they get hit in the head by a foul ball or because they choked on their hot dog or because they slipped on the ice cream that was on the floor that wasn't cleaned up fast enough or yada or yada or yada, they know that some of the time we're just going to cut them a check for 10 grand. See you later. And they get 10 grand for sending a letter because if we have to get our lawyer to deal with it, it's 10 grand just to read the frivolous horse crap complaint. So, You do the math. To me, it's just numbers. It's just math. Except once in a while, 
every once in a while, I try to keep someone honest. I don't pick it out of a hat. I get all the lawsuits in front of me and I do a certain number per year where I say, you know what? Not today. Not today. I am going to use every bit of my financial might as a large company, and I'm going to make sure that you get lawyered to death and don't get a penny. You still want to sue? You still have no marital relations? Are you sure? Are you sure that your neck still hurts? Because I've got a private investigator who sees you playing tennis at the club. Are you sure? I thought so. Every once in a while, you keep them honest. I don't think the Giants will choose this one to keep Mac Williamson honest. I believe that there will be a settlement, and that makes sense to me. The reason why there are bullpens, here's a little side note, by the way, Coca. Are you back, Coca? He's still not back. This segment was in line for somewhere around seven minutes. I don't know how long it's been at all because Coca normally tells me, and I don't know what time we started the show because Coca normally tells me, and he's always in my ear, but he's completely silent. So he literally is emptying the groceries. I think he ordered from Instacart, got the groceries, and is now putting them away since we since he played it. So you want to talk to Samson Music. Hello, Coca. Coca, Earth to Coca. How many minutes has this segment been? He just, oh, welcome back. He said too long. No, I'm just kidding. He's still gone, which means we can keep going. And I have no idea how to land the plane. And without Coca to remind me, I can't land it. I don't remember what I was saying about the lawsuit, the frivolous lawsuit, the ice cream lawsuit. Can't remember. Anyway, here's your question. I, oh, why the bullpens are there. Thank you. That, by the way, Coca's back. Welcome back, Coca. So do you know why the bullpens are on the side at uh, Oracle Park and down the line and there's no bullpens behind the fence? And this is absolutely 100% true. And if the Giants deny it, you know it's not true because the architect told me directly they forgot to make space for the bullpens behind the outfield walls. They literally forgot I can't even tell you. We'll do a whole show one day on what it took to build Marlins Park and the type of preparation we did and the number of checks and the number of people we involved to make sure we didn't forget a damn outlet. The thought of forgetting a bullpen, a bullpen, <clears throat> GMAB. Thank you for that. So you want to talk to Samson. Okay, when we come back, we're going to review a show that I watched the first season of and loved every second of it. We're also going to get to one of the great rivalries in sports playing tonight. And of course, we're going to touch on the NBA. We'll be right back. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Thank you. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thanks for sticking around. I think if there's a direct correlation between commercials and success, that means the show's going well. I think in the beginning, you know, there was no reason we'll be right back because we never left. And then we're, we're over a year now. We're a year and a month, Coca. Can you believe that? We're a year, a month, and four days into this journey of Nothing Personal together. So thanks for sticking through the commercials. And I want to review because one of the most, I was going to say funnest. (gasps) I'm so sorry, Mr. Lynn. I really am my grammar teacher at Horace Mann. No, no, I'll talk to you from back there. That's an inside joke for those of you who went to Horace Mann. I watch a movie. It is one of the most fun parts of the show. I get to review a movie every day, review a TV show. And I get suggestions from people, and I love it. I keep a list in the notes on my phone. Keep calm and carry on if you're watching this on YouTube, by the way. Please hit subscribe. If you are watching a clip of any kind, go to YouTube, hit subscribe. Apparently, I get $1 million per subscriber, and Coca gets two hundred grand every time someone subscribes. Can you believe how great that is? So just hit the subscribe button. So I put it on my phone, keep calm and carry on, and I keep a list. Someone told me to watch a show called Friends from College. I didn't look at the trailer. I just put it on because Fred Savage is in it. Fred Savage from The Wonder Years. Fred Savage from The Princess Bride, The Little Boy and The Princess Bride. Well, he's all grown up now. And he's in the show called Friends from College. It also has Nat Faxon in it. That's, Nat Faxon was in a great show that I reviewed called Married. He's also an Academy Award winner for he wrote The Descendants with George Clooney in my top 100. It also stars Kobe Smulders. If you don't know who Kobe Smulders is, pause, Google, you're welcome. In addition, Keegan-Michael Key, as in Key and Peel, as in he was in Why Him, among other movies. This is a movie about a friends group from college who stays friends. It's sort of like St. Elmo's Fire, except there's 20 years post-college. Google that if you don't know St. Elmo's Fire. That's a movie. I'm a man in motion. That's from St. Elmo's Fire. Anyway, Rob Lowe? No? Anyway. Okay, thank you. And 20 years later, they're still a friends group. They are awkwardly close. There are interrelationships going on. There are marriages. There are affairs. There are things happening between people that are surprising, that are funny, that are charming, that are heartbreaking. It, the first season is eight episodes. They're about 32, 33 minutes each. Four hours of laugh out loud, as in you can't watch it 
if you're supposed to be in class. You can't watch it if you're supposed to be on a Zoom call. You can't watch it if you're supposed to be paying attention to something else like at a board meeting. You can't watch it anytime you're supposed to be engaged with anything because what happens is you're not expecting it. So it's not like you can hit pause because there's some laughs that you can swallow, like you smirk and you hold it in. There's some laughs and friends from college that are straight up stomach from the diaphragm out through the mouth, out loud, can't hide them type of laughs. Friends from college, I'm asking you nicely. I guess you don't have to, but it'd be tremendous if you would check it out. It's only two seasons. I'm going to start the second season today or as soon as I can because I get to review that for you. But if the second season is anywhere near as good as the first season, it can't be though, right? Because the show ended after two seasons. I don't know why. Friends from college, season one, check it out. Okay. I want to get to uh, the pick of the day right now very quickly because Coke and I had a whole lot of fun talking about the pick of the day today. And we are 33 and 30 going into the pick of the day. There is a huge game today. It is, to me, the biggest game of the slate of the entire week. We're talking about some action. Do you know what that is? Maction? Well, turn on CBS and you'll find out what Maction is. There's two teams the Chippewas, and the Broncos. The Chippewas are from a school called Central Michigan. The Broncos are from a school called Northern Michigan. Central Michigan is located in Mount Pleasant. Northern Michigan is not the game, by the way. Let me start again. Three, two, one. Central Michigan is playing... Western Michigan in what is the biggest rivalry in all of sports. Central Michigan is the Chippewas. They're in Mount Pleasant. Western Michigan is the Broncos. They're in Kalamazoo. I love Kalamazoo, by the way. If you're from Kalamazoo and you're listening, I love you. I've always loved you. I will always love you. Kalamazoo is special. Now, these are not just major rivals, folks. These are undefeated teams. That's how big this is. Now, how do you know who to choose in a game matching undefeated teams? Central Michigan is plus one, which means Western Michigan is favored by one over Central Michigan. So Coke and I were talking about the pick of the day, and I'm up a field goal, 33 and 30. I want to win this game because I want to be back to up four. And it was very clear who to choose. The minute I found out that Coca has a relationship with Central Michigan's offensive line coach's daughter from when they were in West Virginia together, that was a clincher. So Coca called the daughter of the offensive line coach and found out that it was a slam dunk that Central Michigan will cover the plus one over Western Michigan. So a shout out to the offensive line coach's daughter, a shout out to West Virginia, a compliment to Coca. This is the pick of the day. Central Michigan plus one. Thanks, Coca. Okay. I want to talk about a subject now that um, really has nothing to do with sports. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity and the platform, but it's something that 
means something to me. And there is a tremendous level of misunderstanding about this subject and I want to try to clarify it. Because you know on Nothing Personal, we'll talk about trending subjects. We'll talk about things that I think matter to the listeners, to the audience, to me, to Coca. There's a lot of talk right now about student loan forgiveness. There was a thought that Joe Biden, once elected president, would have an opportunity and would have a desire to engage in student loan forgiveness to the point that Chuck Schumer in the Senate was under the impression or under the belief that students would have their loans forgiven. And when students read that, they're thinking that they're about to go into their account and see that all their student loans have been forgiven. But they're not reading the fine print and they're not understanding the facts of the case. Let's go to the number one fact. Joe Biden does not have the right, as we sit here today, to sign an executive order that goes that ignores Congress, that ignores the Senate, that ignores the House, and say, we will now forgive $50,000 from everyone's student loans. Just give us your email, give us the account number, and we're going to shave 50 off it like it didn't exist. There are resolutions that are being discussed in Congress that would empower the president to forgive student loans, but they're resolutions. Resolutions are like aspirational. And by the way, the Republicans control the Senate and they don't want to do this. And if you don't have control of the Senate, you have no chance to get this bill passed. Any sort of bill with any type of forgiveness. And on a side note, Joe Biden's only talking about forgiving $10,000, not 50. But if he doesn't have the Senate, it doesn't matter to begin with. There are two open seats in Georgia right now. There's a runoff coming on January 5th. If by chance Democrats prevail in both of those races, there will then be a tie in the Senate. And then Kamala Harris can break the tie every time. And the Democrats would then control the Senate, the House, and have the White House. By the way, that would not be good for the market. The markets are going up on the supposition that there is not one party in control of all three. I was going to say three branches of government, but you know that's not true because I'm not talking about the judicial branch, although you would be in charge of the judicial branch if you've got the White House to send in the House, in theory. But having a split Senate and House is helpful to the financial markets. So what kind of student loan would be forgiven? It's the federal kind, not the private kind. As in Sally Mae, Fannie Mae. Is it Fannie Mae? I think I have that right. Secondly, thirdly, how would this be paid for? Before any sort of appropriation would be made, there would have to be a budget request, a budget allotment, a budget allocation, some sort of budget conversation would have to happen. So for students thinking that they would have extra disposable income tomorrow 
it's not going to happen. Now, why would politicians want to forgive student loans? The number one reason given is economic stimulus. So let's talk about that. Economic stimulus means that when you are given money, that you will use that money to buy stuff. That stimulates the economy. Because when you're buying stuff, someone has to get paid to make that stuff. Someone gets paid to pack that stuff. Someone gets paid to ship that stuff. Someone gets paid to deliver that stuff. And you have used the money that you've been given to feed the supply chain with this increase of demand. So the stimulus comes from the government, not directly to the suppliers, but to the people who would create demand, thinking that they will feed the supply chain. So let me ask a question to the students out there. If you looked in your bank right now and at your loan documents, and you saw that your loan balance had been reduced by $10,000. Do you know what that doesn't mean? That you've got $10,000 in cash. It just doesn't. It means your debt has gone down by $10,000. Are you going to go on the Google or go to an anchor store in a strip mall? or go to a mom and pop store with 10K in cash and spend it buying stuff? Can I see a show of hands of those of you who will take the money from the student loan forgiveness and stimulate the economy with it, with your own cash? Raise hands. Anyone? Bueller. Bueller. Anyone? Now, why would politicians be in favor of this? Because they want to be elected. And when you are up for a re-election or election in the first place, you want to say several key words. One, stimulate. Two, extra cash in your poche. Three, you will be better off tomorrow than you were yesterday. And then you, and you will be better off the day after that than you are today. These are the key words that politicians say on both sides of the aisle. And when you can get a young demographic, you're craving it because you can win elections that way. Because young people generally don't come out to vote. And if you can say, hey, vote for me, I'm going to forgive your loans you're going to get yourself elected. I don't mean to put rain on the parade. I really don't. I'm not trying to be anti-Biden or anti-Trump or I'm not against the president-elect. I'm elect. I'm not against the former president. I, am, I told you all from the beginning, I wanted you to vote and vote you all did in record numbers. Trump got more votes in a losing effort than any winner has ever gotten ever. Biden got more votes than anyone's ever gotten. And it's not because of fraud at all. It's because more people are engaged in the process, as you should be. But if you're going to vote, which you should, at least learn the tricks of the trade. At least get an understanding of what politicians are selling you 
because that's what it is. Every time a politician has a debate, every time a politician does an ad, every time a politician gives a quote, they are selling you and they want you to buy the vote. Now, I don't mean anything illegal. They're selling themselves to you and they want you to be a buyer. The way you buy it is by clicking the name. Do you know how many people vote according to name recognition, which is why incumbents have such a huge benefit when they're running for re-election? A, they've been able to raise more money, but B, by raising more money, they get more name recognition. Name recognition matters in the polls because how many times do you go to the polls, do you see who's running for sheriff, and you say, oh, I recognize that guy's name. Click. Or how many times do you go down and just go R, 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 or D, 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 D. It's called voting up and down the ticket. I'm in favor of you learning about each candidate. I'm in favor of you making decisions for yourself and not paying attention to what politicians say, but paying attention to what they've done. Pay attention over the next four years to what Biden does and then make a decision whether you're going to vote for him or whoever replaces him on the Democratic ticket. Pay attention to what happened during the last four years under Trump on all sides, how it impacted you, your life, your country, and then make those decisions. Student loan forgiveness is one of the great fagazis of all time. It gets people riled up, frothing at the mouth, totally excited. And at the end of the day, NGTH, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Okay, Coca, we got the NBA draft tonight. How about this guy? Uh, His name is Carmelo Ball, and he is the brother of uh, Lorenzo Ball. I don't think any of those names are right, Coca. Um, Hold on, I got to look at this document. He gives me names sometimes that I'm going to get wrong. Okay, we have a draft. The first pick is going to be LaMelo Ball, not Carmelo. There's another guy named Lonzo Ball. It's the Ball brothers. They got a lot of balls because the first pick said yesterday, this is what brought my attention to it because it made me laugh. I was born for this. And he was talking about being the first pick and all the stuff that surrounds being the first pick. It reminds me of the Williams family in tennis, the Ball family. They're on their own program. They're doing their own thing. And maybe the younger brother is better than the older brother. The older brother plays for the Pelicans right now. And this younger brother is going to be a Minnesota Timberwolf as of tonight. They've got the first pick. I strongly uh, uh, predict that this guy will go first because that's how NBA drafts go when they're consensus first-round picks. Look out for the Knicks at the number eight position. They draft eighth. Eighth is their lucky number. This is the year the Knicks get better. This is it. They've got Tom Thibodeau as their new coach. He's outstanding. They've got Patrick Ewing on the front line. They're bringing back Oak. I mean, this is their time. The NBA didn't want to take any uh, attention out of its draft. So they announced yesterday, so today can be all draft, but they announced yesterday. Why not spread the news out a little bit? they announced how they're doing their schedule. And it got quite a bit of attention because it's very much COVID related. You know, the NBA has been completely involved in COVID and they've been ahead of the curve. There's no doubt about that. So they announced something that that turned some heads. 
They're only announcing the first half of the NBA schedule. It's a 72-game schedule, 36 games the first half of the season, a five-day break in the middle of the season sometime in March, maybe between the 5th and the 10th, and then 36 games in the second half of the season. But they're leaving enough days in case any canceled games in the first half have to be rescheduled in the second half because they're already preparing for the reality of COVID canceled games because guess what? There will be nary a bubla. No bubbles. None. Maybe come playoff time, they're going to bubble. Although I still don't think so because the players are just recovering from the bubble and I don't think they're going to allow it again. Now, is that the whole release by the NBA? Is that the exciting part? The fact that it's going to be a split schedule and they're going to release the first half by training camp and then the second half after the All-Star break? No, none of that's exciting. They're bringing back the play-in. Hell yeah! Do you remember the play-in that happened in the bubble? It used to be just the first eight seeds make the playoffs and one would play eight, two, seven, three, six, four, five, yada, yada. I love the play-in tournament. This means that if you're the ninth or 10th seed, you can make the playoffs. Here's how it works. There'll be two games at the end of the regular season. The seventh seed plays the eighth seed. And the winner of that game becomes the seventh seed. So the seventh seed could finish 10 games ahead of the eighth seed. And if the eighth seed wins that particular play-in game, then guess what? The eighth seed who finished 10 games back, this would piss me off to no end as the president of the eighth seed team, becomes the seventh seed. The seventh seed who was 10 games in front of the eighth seed, then has to play another game against the ninth, 10th seed winner because they will have played. The loser of the nine versus 10 is OU Triple T. They should have been out for to begin with. But the winner of nine, 10 plays the loser of seven, eight. And the winner of that game is the eighth seed. So hear me out and listen to me later. If you are the seventh seed and finish 10 games up on the eighth seed and you lose to the eighth seed in one game, you then lose to the winner of the nine versus 10 game. You're out of the damn playoffs. That can't be right, Coca. Check it. We have to have it wrong. The seventh seed could miss the playoffs entirely by having an ill-timed two-game losing streak. Coca, is this right? Hello? Anybody? It can't be right. Because if it's right, I don't, I guess you get the votes from teams that think they're never going to be in the seven hole. And if they are, they think they're not going to be so far ahead of the eight that they won't be upset if they miss the playoffs. But that's not how I would go for that vote. I think if you're the seventh seed, you have to be guaranteed to make the playoffs and you have to survive more than a two game losing streak. Because here's what the rules should be. You know what? Here's how to do it. If the seventh seed has a lead over the eighth seed of under of two games or fewer when the season ends, then do the play in exactly as they did. Because if you have a two game losing streak, then you're done. But if the seventh seed has a larger than two game lead over the eighth seed, then you have to allow them to either make the playoffs or have to suffer an even longer losing streak to be out of the playoffs. I think you got to do it. Sell those games to broadcasters. They'll take them. You know why they will. All these extra playoff games in football that are coming, in basketball that are coming, in baseball that are coming, it's for one simple reason. Say it out loud once you're done putting away your miracle whip, Coca. 
It's just business. It's nothing personal. 